This is a download from BFM 89.9, the business station. Recently, a Bloomberg columnist claimed that Malaysia is staggering down the road to failed statehood. But what does the failed state actually mean? And are we on the road to actually becoming one? I'm Dashran Johan, and this is Today I Learned. On the show with me today is Dr. Bridget Welsh. She's a political analyst and an honorary research associate at the University of Nottingham, Malaysia's Asia Research Institute. Welcome to the show, Bridget. Let's start with the definition of failed state. We've heard this term before, usually to describe countries like Somalia and Afghanistan. But what exactly does failed state mean? Great to be here. So we use this as a terminology in political science, uh, which looks at um, the capacity of, uh, of institutions and practices within a particular territory in order to be able to function. So essentially, a, a, a failed state is one that is no longer in control. It's no longer working. Um, and it's measured by a whole series of factors that people look at, from the issues of being a, of conflict to the management of the economy to social cohesion um, and to the issues associated with um, the, the protection of rights. So we look at a whole series of factors um, to um, in uh, making the assessment. Hmm. And, you know, who would usually declares whether one country is a failed state or not? Does the country come out and declare itself a failed state? Or, you know, is it more of political analysts and external bodies like the UN, for example? So what we see is a situation where failed states are actually assessed by uh, international organizations. Uh, in particular, we see a situation where... Um, uh, organizations such as the Fund for Peace have a very important uh, index called the Fragile State Index, which I'll talk a lot about uh, in this discussion, mm. because it's a useful place to watch. And it, this is produced in foreign policy every year. So they uh, annually look at the criteria uh, that are uh, assessed by uh, academics and, and, and policymakers in terms of the criteria itself. And then they make assessments on particular countries. Uh, they look at for and and they measure fragility of which you know when you have very very high fragility, you're reaching the point where your state is failing, uh, and that's where you're classified as a failed state. Mm -hmm. But there are other organizations that also measure this um, besides the Fund for Peace, and that is the you know OEC does this looks at this in terms of a fragile report in the context of Europe. Um, and uh, globally, we also see um, organizations such as the World Bank has done, produced a kind of discussion of fragile states uh, since 2005. And a very important organization called the International Crisis Group, which is a, which is an NGO transnational, has crisis watch reports, uh, which they produce about countries such as uh, regularly, for example, about Myanmar. Mm. Um, and when there was intensive uh, challenges in the context of Indonesia, in terms of conflict in places such as the Maluku, and, um, and Papua, you saw the, the ICG also producing uh, uh, reports in the context of Indonesia. Uh, in the history of ICG reports, there have been, uh, I think, only one on Malaysia, although some of them have uh, dealt with some of the issues across border uh, regarding Malaysia. But more generally, Malaysia has not within that rubric. And it's important to recognize in terms of the Fragile States Index, mm -hmm. uh, you know, for 2021, um, Malaysia was right in the middle. Uh, uh, yeah, so it was, and if they have a color scheme, so right. it was it was yellow. 
Uh, mm. So it's it, it, it and in, in the list it was number 123. Put this in context: Thailand and Vietnam were higher than Malaysia. Right. Okay. Okay. So you know, um, you mentioned a, a various aspects, right? So you know, if you were to boil it down to a few different things, it means um, you know the collapse of perhaps of a nation's economy, a political landscape that is highly unstable, um, volatile, perhaps inability for of the country to you know perhaps uh, take care of the people's welfare and protect them from ex- external or internal security threats you talked about you know the social cohesion and the issues that people face there so let's talk about these um, aspects in detail um when we talk about a failed state what does their economical landscape usually look like so if we got essentially, I think they, um, the Fund for Peace uses five different major okay. car- categories, of which there are 12. Right? Mm-hmm. And on the economic side, um, we look at economic decline. Um, yeah, so therefore, you look at the, the contraction of the economy. Uh, what we see in the Malaysia experience is we saw the MCO last year basically cut a fifth out of its GDP. Uh, and then some of that rebound, rebounded um, towards the latter part of the year when even though there were still lockdowns, there were more relatively open, less restrictive lockdowns. Mm. Um, we're probably going to see a, a similar t- type of economic decline uh, in the last um, in this year, which will really cut into growth. So we've seen uh, uh, an economic decline that is significant. Now, what does this mean from the perspective of a failed state? A failed state really means a much larger decline. Mm. Um, so rapid inflation. Uh, you know, uh, food shortages, um, a, a situation where um, there is uh, uh, the economy is not functioning at all. Um, uh, uh, you have a situation where the country has massive debt and lack of resources. And in many failed states, uh, when an economy is not working, the predominant economy is the black market economy, uh, where things are uh, sold uh, outside of uh, the stores, but through uh, neighbors and through smuggling efforts and others. Right. We also see in terms of an economic situation of a failed state, we have very significant uneven development um, in terms of inequality and uh, and massive uh, um, human flight and, bra- and brain drain where people are leaving in, in large numbers uh, because they cannot function, they cannot live within that society from an economic perspective. That's just the economic criteria. Hmm. So what about when we talk about a per- political aspect of it. Uh, What degree of instability and volatility are we talking about here? So in a failed state, you're dealing with a situation that often a country is at war with itself. Right. A good example of that is a place like Myanmar, right? If uh, you know, and even then, Myanmar would not necessarily at this point be classified uh, uh, on the, as a failed state. Although it is, it's it, in in fairness, I think the Bloomberg article of saying Myanmar is on the way to a failed state would be accurate mm. um, in that context, <laughs> uh, because you see, you have you have significant parts of the country are at civil war. You have a lack of legitimacy of the government, which has come in without um, any sets of procedures. Uh, 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 you know, it violated the state constitution by, by the military coup. Um, we have uh, a situation where uh, a lot, most of the country does not believe that it should be in power. Public services are not 
functioning um, in a in a situation of a, of a fail state. Uh, that means, uh, you know, there are no hospitals that uh, function. There are no um, uh, uh, services in terms of transportation. Um, and, of course, we have, you know, a lack, a complete lack of rule of law and no protection whatsoever of human rights. And we can see this situation in terms of uh, the abductions that are happening in Myanmar, as well as, for example, um, the fact that there's been brutal killing of people. Um, and, and by comparison, Again, I highlight that Malaysia is in a very different situation than these these circumstances, um, which we're seeing elsewhere in other countries, such as Libya, such as Yemen, um, and, and of course, Myanmar. Now, a couple of uh, articles I was reading talked about a country's inability to defend its citizens and, and classified that under, you know, internal or external security threat. But when we look at 2021, you know, a security threat doesn't necessarily mean nuclear war or, you know, mass destruction, right? I mean... These days, we've heard of countries using social media, for example, to destabilize an entire political landscape. So with that in mind, what exactly are we talking about here? Well, I think a, a good example of this is is in Yemen, right, where mm. uh, the country has been invaded by forces from that are supported by Saudi Arabia. Um, and it doesn't it, it only controls a smart, small part of its territory. So there's been an external invasion. Similarly, in Libya. Uh, you have forces that occupy a large part of the country, and then you have two different governments operating in Libya. They're claimed to be operating. Um, so you have a lot of external actors. Syria is another example where different international bodies and countries control different parts of Syria. Uh, and that that is what is meant by external invasion and interventions um, uh, that are quite cons- quite considerable. Um, but also coupled with that, you also have circumstances of of high levels of internal displaced people, people who are living, who lived in one area that have been moved. So a good, for example, in Myanmar, we have about two hundred and fifty thousand people, sometimes as much as three hundred thousand people that have been forced to leave their their homes um, since the coup uh, in February first. Uh, and we have massive refugees. For example, we saw millions of refugees leave Syria um, when the when the fighting began there, um, and and it continues to to extend um, over the ten, the twelve years, fifteen years that things are going on in Syria. Large people leave, live outside of Syria. Um, uh, Malaysians uh, <laughs> do not have that same circumstances. Right. So when when we talk about a country being declared a failed. state, do they have to hit all these categories that we've discussed or is it more of a spectrum? So there are a couple other categories we haven't talked about, okay. which I think are pretty important to put right. out. The issues of social cohesion, mm-hmm. like how the security apparatus is working, what sort of grievances, the factionalism among elites, which I think is quite significant in Malaysia, um, and also sort of demographic pressures. But the index, the Fragile Peace Index, which looks at and essentially uh, you know, those on the lower scent are seen to be failing, um, are you see things as a continuum along these different sets of indexes. And I think that, you know, it is no question that, you know, when they do the index for next year, that Malaysia will have had a significant contra- uh, increase in fragility uh, unless there is a, re- a resolution to the to the infighting uh, and to the circumstances that are happening. And by the way, you know, it's not just uh, uh, countries that are in the developing world that have these issues. I think it's important, for example, to note that the United States was the country that had the, le- the, the most contraction of 
um, the most increased fragility last year in, mm. the, in the analysis, which I think was was accurate in terms of what is happening in the context of the U.S., which we saw in the um, in January of this year. Um, so I think that uh, we see these things along a continuum. Uh, they change, and there are different aspects that are more important in some countries rather than others. Uh, so, for example, we can see in the context of Malaysia, we have considerable factionalization among elites, mm. uh, but the the economic decline, while Malaysians themselves will feel significant pain and they are suffering considerably. Uh, you know, if we compare to the global uh, dynamics of what's happening in other economies, uh, Malaysia's decline is comparatively m- much less. Um, this doesn't make it anywhere less painful for people that they're experiencing it, but this is just a kind of global comparison. Um, and, and keep in mind that the pandemic has had profound implications across the world, um, and not just in Malaysia alone. On the show with me today is political analyst Dr. Bridget Welsh. After the break, I'll be asking her about Malaysia specifically. Are we on the road to becoming a failed state? We'll be back with more on Today I Learned, BFM 89.9. Welcome back to Today I Learned. I'm Dashran Johan and on the show with me is Dr. Bridget Welsh, who's a political analyst and an honorary research associate at the University of Nottingham, Malaysia's Asia Research Institute. And we are pretty much talking about a failed state. What does failed state actually mean? And is Malaysia on the road to becoming one? So Bridget, you've given a couple of examples um, so far throughout the discussion, but let's dive perhaps a, a little deeper into one example of, the, of a failed state. Could you give me uh, one example and the sequences of events that led the country to becoming a failed state? Well, I've already identified Myanmar, and yeah. I think I, I'd like to speak to Myanmar first because mm-hmm. I think it is, it's quite interesting to look at um, from a perspective of what's happening around us. Um, and that is, you know, Myanmar had a coup in 2000, in, in February 1st of this year. Um, and then what we saw is that um, it, it basically to maintain its power, it began a crackdown on, on citizens who were engaged in protests. And then subsequent to that, we saw the protest groups to begin to arm themselves and to have now are engaging in uh, attacks uh, on the government, more more sporadic sets of attacks. And we're also seeing a situation where um, uh, the economy has contracted considerably uh, in this process. Something very interesting you brought up is how you know the people have started to arm themselves in Myanmar. So what does society look like right now in Myanmar? Because I think for a lot of us, we look at the headlines, we see protests, and then we see perhaps, you know, military soldiers are killing protesters, right? Um, rather brutally. But beyond that, we don't really know how society in Myanmar is functioning on a day-to-day basis, you know, people going to work, etc. Um, how does society look like in Myanmar right now? Well, you know, society is very divided um, uh, from the context of the economic haves and have-nots, right? Uh, People are uh, much more reliant on the subsistence economy than before uh, because the prices of goods and issues have increased considerably. Uh, We see a situation where um, people don't feel safe. Uh, They're taken from their homes at night. uh, And while, um, you know, there is a 
that there are sporadic instances of violence that can happen almost anywhere. Um, and of course, in some places where there is outright civil war, um, uh, there is actually, you know, uh, considerable bombings and people have left all their belongings behind and moved to different locations, living often in the jungles or otherwise. So it is, uh, um, you know, it varies across the ethnic communities and the different communities in Myanmar generally. But I would say that overall, we see a situation where um, there's, you know, people feel uh, higher levels of insecurity on multiple fronts, economic, political and physical human security as well. Um, and, and, you know, this is, you know, these are similar types of dynamics that we see in many other kind of failed states where, when nothing is working, people have basically either have to leave or find a way to survive. Um, and and when when societies break down and politi- and political circumstances break down, uh, the implications are are real. Um, I'll give you an, a little illustration of what is happening in Myanmar. Mm-hmm. So I regularly keep in contact with my friends there, uh, many of them who some of them are still in jail. And one of the things I speak to about, you know, regularly is to say, you know, how are you doing? <laughs> and and so my friend's response is, well, I'm pretty good because I've been able to get some access to oxygen supply. Wow. So, you know, it kind of puts things in perspective um, when you sort of say, uh, you know, that uh, you think to yourself, uh, well, we're not doing that well. We're locked in. We can't go out. We feel that this, we, we feel traumatized watching what's happening in terms of the hospitals and the, the stories of people suffering, uh, which, of course, uh, affect us emotionally. Uh, but at the same juncture, you you kind of you have a wake up call. And for me, Myanmar is often my wake up call because I realize, you know, uh, you know, we, people don't have access to they can't get they can't get access to their money um, that if they have money and many of people don't have money at all. And then they're concerned about what's happening with COVID, because unlike uh, the collapse that is happening in terms of the, the strain that's happening in terms of facilities and health facilities in Malaysia, there still are hospitals here. Right? There still are tremendous talented doctors. In Myanmar, the doctors have been targeted by the regime and are not allowed to give care. And many doctors still are, are in prison uh, and the facilities don't, don't function. So instead of getting food at hospital uh, in Myanmar, you bring food to the hospital if you can get access to the hospital. So it's a very different type of dynamic about how healthcare provisions are provided or not provided and how people have to take steps into their own hands. Now, Bloomberg, a columnist, claimed that Malaysia is staggering down the road to failed statehood. You've clearly said that we are nowhere near being a failed state. Hate, um, you know, where, especially when you compare to countries like um, Yemen or Myanmar. So, but would you say that we are perhaps on the way and that if things um, are not, because right now we are dealing, you know, uh, with racial, racial and religious polarization is at an all time high. The current administration appears to be incapable of handling the COVID-19 health crisis. Our people are losing jobs, like you said, um, and suicide cases are on the rise. Um, if we are not a failed state now, do you see us becoming one if we continue in this direction? Just a few key points here. Okay. Also, I want to make sure that we don't equate what's happening in Myanmar with what's happened in Yemen or Libya. Mm-hmm. The conditions in Yemen and Libya are much worse than in Myanmar. Right. All right. Just to kind of put, and again to think about these things on a scale. Mm-hmm. All right. Now we go to the context of Malaysia. I think that 
most Malaysians um, uh, and people who have lived in Malaysia, like myself, you know, the, the framework is how you compare the past to your experience, right? And of course, no one, um, uh, no, no one looking at Malaysia, having been familiar with what's happened in Malaysia, can deny that this is largely, this is arguably, in my view, the most single significant uh, crisis that the country has ever faced. Mm. Um, you know, we can look at the crisis of 1969, uh, which of course is uh, an important one, uh, as well as, uh, you know, the economic crises of, of 97, 98, or 2008. But they're nothing like what is happening to the society at this between the point of juncture. So, in, from a historical lens and from an experiential lens of where one third of Malaysians are really in, in, in facing potential serious harm as things are evolving, things are very, very serious. Mm. And so people kind of see that. Um, now, uh, the, the Bloomberg article, I think, uh, you know, captured some of the sentiment of this kind of transition uh, of change within the context of Malaysia, of which many people kind of quickly, uh, you know, supported this because they see that the change dimension uh, but I think this is where it's important just to step back and to look at things um, from a comparative lens where Malaysia fits is still um, uh, well beyond where uh, where it can go from a perspective of the circumstances and the conditions on the ground. Uh, also, I think that um, there are still uh, solutions to that within the rule of law, uh, within the issues of uh, of uh, the elites, um, you know, unlike in places like Haiti, where the prime, where the president is being shot, we do not see those circumstances in the context of Malaysia. All right, so we have there's not things are the the most uh, violence that you are seeing is being self-inflicted by individuals, but also um, you know, you're not having elites uh, opening using arms in this country. So has there been a significant increase of fragility within the context of Malaysia? Absolutely. Hmm. Um, you know, uh, and I think, but my own focal point is that this has to do with the government not operating. And if, you know, we look, for example, uh, if, at the context and comparison to Italy, now, Italy, as you may remember in 2020, when it had this, the horrific intensity of the suffering of during COVID-19, right. uh, many people looked at, the, you know, were, were, were traumatized by the stories that were coming out um, by Italy. Uh, and Italy had a coalition government that was very weak um, and that uh, worked, that basically worked together in order to find some sets of solutions. Subsequently, that coalition government collapsed and a new coalition government came in. We see that um, uh, uh, led by Mara Draghi now right. huh, um, in that circumstances. Uh, and the systems of governance are still a very weak uh, uh, in the context of, uh, of providing services, and, and there's still considerable fractionalism among elites, but they found solutions. Um, and in this regard, I think the problems lie with the elites and with the policies, uh, the lack of uh, ability to implement and to carry out policies in an effective manner. Um, and that, yes, these issues of grievances about race and religion are real in Malaysia, but I would argue in some ways that uh, the race and religious issues 
have somewhat ameliorated as the focal point of the attention has been on the, the lack of the, the poor government policies and the factionalism among the elites to find a resolution to come to terms with some of these issues. Uh, this doesn't mean that they've gone away, but they but there's a new narrative emerging in Malaysia. And that mm-hmm. narrative is, you know, of a narrative of, of politicians that have failed, the system that is failing, and that it and that um, it, there is a sense of of the focus on uh, more class-based discussions of the those who are su- for who are who are having to deal with the consequences of a system that favors the elites as opposed to those that are not, and this I think is a very important development for Malaysia. Hmm. So to answer your question, is Malaysia moving <laughs> along the line towards a more fragile state? Yes, uh, but is it still in the middle in terms of where things are from a comparative point? Yes. Uh, is it very bad compared to where Malaysia has been in the past? Yes, because Malaysia has been very blessed by a place that has had very few crises right. compared to other countries. And Malaysians are used to having things to be normal and comfortable, even though there have been significant inequalities and very differences in those experiences. Uh, it is not something you know that people have not experienced the same of trans, same kind of. Um, difficult moments. And mm-hmm. even if you compare, for example, Malaysia to a, a Indonesia, where you've had, you know, periods of intense violence, we've had significant uh, um, uh, dem- transitions of power that have been conflictual, Malaysia has not had the same degree of those. And so it, it is a very difficult reckoning that Malaysia has had. And a lot of the causes of what is happening here, the weakening of institutions, the the elites not willing to make way. I mean, the average age of the political elites is way too old. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, the, the corruption in the system, these have been longstanding and the failure to address them is, is, is contributing to the reckoning that we're seeing now, uh, which of course is a very troubling one and a very upsetting one for people who care and love about love Malaysia. Right. So, you know, you, you, you mentioned, you know, that Malaysia has experienced a significant increase in fragility. But, you know, as you rightfully put it, um, it's it, these things should be looked at uh, on a scale or on a spectrum. And right now, comparatively, in a global scale, Malaysia is somewhere down the middle. So what should we do to prevent ourselves from becoming increasingly fragile? Um, and what should we do to, you know, strengthen strengthen our nation as a whole? I think it's important that new elites begin to emerge to speak out. We're seeing some of that now. We're seeing more professionals talking to find the narrative, young people coming out. Um, I think that uh, Malaysians need alternative leaders uh, and new ideas uh, to to move the country forward in terms of policy. I think equally important is that the problems that do exist do need to be acknowledged in a transparent way. I think that, for example, that the health doctors who were forced to speak anonymously about what's happening in the health facilities, uh, you know, is... uh, is, is an important discussion because unless there is a reckoning with truth uh, and reality of the circumstances uh, and acknowledgement of the problems, then there cannot be effective sets of solutions. But I think equally important, which is the final point, is that the elites in the system that are part of the system 
need to uh, put aside their own personal interests. And of course, this is something they haven't done for many years, and not just so openly in the last two years. Uh, but I would say that um, this involves continuing to put public pressure on these elites to do the right thing. Uh, and the cost of where Malaysia is at, where Malaysia has been, you know, it, it, it positioning towards moving towards a higher income, uh, moving towards a, a more in, um, uh, uh, attached to the global supply chains. Right, right now, uh, the these fragilities that are being expressed will set the country back for decades unless it's addressed. Uh, and I think that the, these costs need to be made very clear. Um, uh, there is a cost to keeping with what is in, what is the status quo. The status quo is not helping the country. On that note, Bridget, thank you so much for speaking with me today. Most welcome. Have a have a wonderful day and stay safe and, and stay strong. Thank you so much, you too, Bridget. That was political analyst Dr. Bridget Welch talking about failed state. What does it mean? And is Malaysia on the way to becoming one? So if you missed any part of the conversation, do check out the podcast on the BFM app bfm.my or pretty much wherever you get your podcasts from. I'm Dashran Johan and this has been Today I Learned BFM 89.9 Thank you for listening to this podcast. To find more great interviews go to bfm.my or find us on iTunes. BFM 89.9 The Business Station